You're listening to The Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, everybody. You are listening to episode 214 of the Blended Family Podcast. I almost forgot even what episode I'm on because it's been so long. I think the last show was back in the beginning of November, and I have so much to share with you guys, and I'm definitely going to follow up with that in another episode. Uh, I will be working on that for you this week so I can catch you up and tell you everything that has been going on with me. So I'm sort of back, not officially. Uh, right now, I don't know when I will get out of show or when I won't, but I do have a backlog of interviews and I feel terrible because some of these experts were waiting for their interviews to get pushed out and I just wasn't able to do it. So today we're going to start, we're going to kick off here in January with a guest that I have that this was actually recorded back in, I think, August or September. And it was on purpose at that time because I was supposed to air it in September when school started because we're going to be talking about children and some of the stress that they go through, especially uh, in the school age and at school. So, but you know what? It's January and a lot of you just had maybe a holiday break. So it's also a good time because some kids are getting reacclimated back to school. I know when they take two to three weeks off in the middle of the winter, it's very hard to get everybody going again. So that's what we're dealing with now. So I hope that you find this interview very good. Keep in mind this this woman has actually written a second book by now. Just keep in mind that all this information, this was back relevant in August, but I still think it's just as relevant now and I still think that you're going to enjoy it. And then, like I said, stay tuned. Uh, Not sure exactly when. Sometime this week, I hope to release another episode that will explain exactly uh, what has been going on with me and my family. We have not had an easy few months, and we're still not over the hump, but I feel like we're getting a little bit closer to answers, so I'll talk to you guys about that soon. For now, please enjoy this interview with my guest, Donna, and I will talk to you guys soon. Love you all. Bye. According to a new study share on earth.com, young children have a sense of self that is comparable to that of older kids and adults. The findings reveal that an individual's understanding and self-worth develops early in life. With many children in today's society currently navigating through emotional challenges, learning and attention issues, or family stressors and pressures on the home front, we need to think more carefully about different ways to support children's motivation and engagement, both in the classroom and at home. Well, joining us today on this episode of the Blended Family Podcast to share how to assist your child in developing his or her sense of worthiness is Donna Sager Cowan, the creator of the Superhero School Series and the author of the forthcoming children's book, With the Curiosity of a Cat, which is book number two in the series. As the youngest child in a large family, Donna felt lost in the crowd. She entertained herself by making up stories and friends to play with. And by age five, Donna had taught herself how to read. And that began her imaginative journey to dreamy castles with princes and fairy godmothers. 
Donna is a grandmother, random fact finder, and encourager, and yes, she believes she's a superhero, and she resides in California with her family and four cats. Welcome to the show, Donna. How are you? I'm great. I am so happy to be with you guys today. I'm actually thrilled to have you here, and it couldn't come at a more perfect time, right? Because school is starting. Actually, school started here for us already here in Florida, but I know other parts of the country aren't really starting until September, but it's such a perfect time to talk about this topic because I feel like school time is where kids really struggle the most, right? When they're out with their peers and everything else. So, but before we get to all this juicy information, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about yourself, your personal story. Well, um, I am a grandmother. I am a grandmother to six and um, I've been writing for several years. I'm not going to tell you how many, because I would tell you how old I am, <laughs> but um, you know, I kind of jumped around from, you know, different genres and I wasn't really happy and I wasn't feeling very confident in my writing. And then I started making up these stories for my grandkids as bedtime stories. And we stumbled onto this story about the the superhero animals um, from a question that my one granddaughter asked me about, you know, what did my cat do every night when she was gone for hours and hours? (laughs) And so I just came up with this crazy story about, you know, that she had you know, she was a superhero and she was out saving her friends. And it was like this big secret we couldn't share with the world. And so they encouraged me to write down this story so they could tell their friends. And then, you know, it evolved eventually to the beginning of the story where um, we have the first book with the courage of a mouse, where we have um, Cat the Cat and Simon Cheddar, a mouse going to superhero school and, um, trying to learn from each other how to be how to be friends how to you know navigate life wow well i really love that your grandchildren kind of helped you with the concept or helped you push you forward in this i think that that is such a beautiful thing what do they think about it now um they actually like the story they're you know of course they know all the things that are going to happen before anybody else does <laughs> but they're always excited to see the finished book and and they're quite a bit of you know my advisory team when i kind of get stuck on you know what it is i want to um say next so that that's always very helpful you know having a ready made team of readers ready to tell you whether you're telling us something well or not Definitely. And we all know how honest kids are, right? They'll never lie. We never have to worry about that. When you know when you're going to ask a kid for the truth, they're going to tell you whether you like it or not. So you definitely probably have some honest critics there. So that's really, really neat. Um, As you know, this is a blended family podcast and we have all kinds of people, but we really specialize in helping blended families. And you probably know this because this is the work that you do that Blended family children really struggle a lot with self-esteem and low identity. And a lot of times it comes from just the confusion of divorce or sometimes it comes from having an unfit parent. That happens a lot of times too, sometimes an abusive parent, but all kinds of things really do affect us growing up. And then of course, just being at school in general, but blended families really, the kids in blended families really struggle with this. Um, And so I wanted to know from you and your experience with what you do, do you see that a lot too with kids from blended families? Um, Well, yes, I do. In fact, I 
am, you know, I did create a blended family. I um, adopted my daughter and eventually adopted another daughter. And so my grandchildren do come to me from, you know, different places. They are also both of them blended families where there are, um, you know, a multitude of parents involved. And so that, that takes a lot of um, negotiation and a lot of juggling to kind of get everybody on the same page and, and happy. So it, it does create its own challenges and it, it's really easy for, for the kids to feel a little pushed aside and a little bit, you know, like they're being handled or, or scheduled without their input. And it, it really is very easy as a parent when you are having to try and deal with these multitude of issues with varying degrees of success with different people to kind of just step in and make decisions and not really involve the, the kids in the decision making in you know the choices in in the way forward yeah and then also what a lot of my listeners struggle with with their kids aside that is a very good point but in addition it happens a lot where Maybe a parent is an absent parent, which happens a lot of times in divorce, and that child feels like it's, you know, all children make it their own fault. And, yeah. you know, maybe my mom or dad doesn't want to see me. There must be something wrong with me. You know, I, what did I do? What did I do even that my parents got divorced? Because some kids even put the blame on themselves for the divorce, which is just crazy, but that's what they do. And then if we don't jump on top of that, and if they're not in therapy, if we're not proactively trying to get them help, that kind of festers and grows in them. And, and I feel like it just is the foundation. And so of course, when they get to school, we know that's where the real challenge comes in. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but I really do feel like the foundation starts at home and children need to really feel important and worthy at home. And I know that's very difficult. So the next question I have to you is if a child is struggling at home, because maybe they do have an absent or an unfit abusive parent, how do we help them with that? Because that to me is what I think creates the most damage, especially with toxic moms, toxic moms can be really, really damaging to a child's psyche. So do you have any advice for that? Well, you know, I think in, to begin with, we have to look at how kids develop their self-esteem and their self-worth and their self-value. A lot of it is through trial and error. It's through accomplishment. It's through, successful results. So we have to, as a parent, give them those options or those opportunities to, to be proactive, to, to look at positive things so that they recognize when um, negative things come into their life, that they aren't the be-all, end-all, that, that things are not exactly their fault, that not everything is about them. Um, you know, in, in my book, in my first book, we have the main character coming into the story where she feels as if everything that's happened in her life and every moment has led up to her and this total despair that she has, but that it's her own fault, even though the choices were made for her by other people. And so she, she has... 
a very small amount of trust in anyone. In fact, she mostly distrusts anything that happens because she has seen failure so many times that she has become to expect it. But also she, she doesn't know how to interact with people because she's afraid that they're going to use or abuse her. And so this becomes an even bigger challenge for her because she wants to change her life. She's just not quite sure how. That's interesting. I was actually going to ask you about the book. So it sounds like there's a really good topic here. What age range are you targeting in this book? Um, the, the book and the series are both in the middle grade, which mm. is generally from six years old to 12 years old. Sometimes, you know, it, it varies from, from school district to school district, um, but that is pretty much the age range for it. It's, um, you know, I, I feel this is an important age range because these are where, you know, the, the years where um, children become individuals, where they decide how they're going to think and look at the world around them. And, and then once they hit the teen years, then they start, you know, going towards that. But these are the years where they're deciding, where they're, they're building that foundation for their lives. Well, I love that because most people think that the problematic age is middle school, which is, you know, 12 to 14 years old. And I do agree that that is the most challenging time for kids, but what you just said is really important is the years before that, that really, really matters, right? Because once they get to that middle school age, they've already gotten, you know, a lot into their mind of who they are by, by the years prior. And so Mm -hmm. if you can have your kids have a really strong sense of worth before they reach middle school, before they're 12, because we all know how difficult those years are from 12 to to 16, really um, in a, in a completely different way, right. As they're learning how to be teenagers and everything. Mm -hmm. So I love that you targeted an age that's a little bit younger that can really help kids before that point. So they're going into, I guess, puberty with a much better sense of self-identity. And so I love that you're doing that. And so what I want to know is, um, let, let's get into that. Let's get into the trials of school, right? Because mm-hmm. kids at school, this is the most, I think, um, can be the most damaging time for kids with their peers. You know, aside from what's going on at home, even if you have a great support system at home, we don't know at school who they're going to be around. And the peer group has just holds a lot more weight than parents. You know, at, as ki- you remember, you have kids too. It's like right. they get to a certain age and they think mom and dad don't know anything and my <laughs> friends know it all. And that is the scary thing. And then of course, you can't always protect them when they're there. And I've had it with my own kids. I mean, it's frightening how much social media mm-hmm. really affects these children and to a very, very deep degree. Like they will, they will come home and say, well, how many likes did I get on this photo? And why didn't this person like that? And Mm -hmm. how many responses, how many comments? And it's such a hard thing as parents to struggle against because this is the way of the world right now. And you can't really eliminate it, right? Because everybody's Mm -hmm. on it. And even if you try as a parent, now granted, you're talking about kids that are a little bit younger. Not all elementary age kids have cell phones, but a lot of them do. And even if you don't give it to them as a parent, they're going to find access to it at school through their friends and everything else. So 
How much have you seen in your line of work that this social media frenzy and all this stuff that's going on, how does it affect children's self-esteem and their identity? Well, I think what it ends up doing is it ends up isolating them and it gives them a false sense of worth and disvalue within the same time period because they are not basing anything on reality. It is, you know, of the moment. It, it, it becomes, a, life becomes a popularity contest, which is really difficult, especially for the ages that I'm targeting, because those are the years where they're learning, they're building. It's like they are not only learning to read and write and, you know, math and, and these things. They are learning how to recognize friendships you know, whether they have value or whether they're toxic, they're learning, you know, how to trust people, how to read body language, how to interpret information that comes to them as having value or not. Um, They are making decisions based on their peer group and their clicks on what they wear, what they eat, what they watch, how they think, what they read, it, it's, you know, it's this huge conglomerate of information that we have out there available to them with very few guidelines or boundaries. And so I think you, you need to set those boundaries as a parent. You need to set those guidelines. You need to set down with your kids and say, what are you doing? What do you think of what's going on? Do you, you know, and and check in with them to see if they have a healthy um, idea of what's going on and a respect for the things that are happening around them and how much they are affecting their life and their psyche. That's a really good tip is opening up the lines of communication because like I just said, it's, it really is hard to eliminate it all. And there are some families that are trying to do that, but a lot of us are like, okay, I know you're going to do it, but then yeah, let's have a conversation about it instead of what a lot of parents do is just maybe ignore what's going on. And a lot of parents don't even know. There are some parents that aren't really aware of exactly how detrimental uh, social media can be, but just have a conversation, sit down with your kid and say, hey, do you understand about what people post that they're, they're really only putting their best face forward and this isn't always true and realistic and it's good to have those conversations so they know, even as an adult, right? I mean, I know for myself, I'm not a huge social media person. I try to keep it really positive on there. But I know that when I go on there, it looks like all these people are living these elaborate lives and everything looks great. And it can really cause a lot of self-doubt in people, even as adults, thinking like, gosh, maybe I should be further along than I am. Or look at all these people doing all these things. Why, why am I not in that position? Why don't I take all those kind of trips? Why can't I? And so I think that it really, it affects adults too. But if it affects us adults, how do we, how do we expect our kids to feel when they're being compared to other kids at the most, I don't know, the most impressionable time of their life, they're being compared to everybody else. And it's really, really scary. So I love what you just said is to just at least conversate about it with your kids, talk about it. Um, 
And then definitely, I think, explain to them all of the dangers and what's really out there. And we used to have to do that with our kids. They're a little bit older now. But mm-hmm. it was very frightening because coming from blended families, we can't always control the rules too. Like I used to have a rule here at the house, which was at night when you go to bed, that phone goes out in the kitchen, not in your room with you because you don't need to be on your phone in the middle of the night because I know what goes on, right? And so, mm-hmm. but then when they would go to our ex's house, those rules didn't apply. And Mm -hmm. I can't force my ex to have the same rules as me. But then it was very hard to keep things the way that I wanted to keep them. And I knew I couldn't. So at least I would talk to them about it. So, Right. And and I think that, you know, the most important thing we need to remember is, you know, the internet and access to all these electronics and all of these social media sites is kind of the equivalent to these kids as driving a car is to a 15 and 16 year old. It's like you would not just hand the keys in a brand new car to a 16 year old that just got their driver's license and said, yeah, just go on with your married life. You would have guidelines and boundaries and, you know, you know, give them more and more responsibilities to see how they handle it. And I think oftentimes it's, it's, it's easy to use the electronic babysitter or to not have that argument or that conversation with our child about what they are actually doing. And I know that they're not always a hundred percent truthful with what they're doing, but there are ways that you can track what they're doing and you, you know, you need to give them some boundaries. You need to check in to see what they're doing, how it's affecting them. It's like, you know, I talk to people all the time and they say, well, my child's very depressed and I don't know why. And I'm like, go check their social media. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. And and it's so upsetting because you really do as a parent, sometimes you feel like you're fighting a losing battle because it's very difficult to control, especially with the peer group. So I want to get into talking a little bit about signs and signals for us parents, because we are all busy these days. We're working. We have blended families. The kids are going back and forth from home to home. And sometimes it could be really easy to just lose sight of things that are happening. And so let's talk about signs you know, to look for with the kids. So how do you know if your child feels a great sense of worthiness or not? What are some characteristics to look for? Well, you know, right off the top, you're going to see confidence. They're going to have that confidence built in because they, again, have experienced results, expected results. So they're, they're becoming to depend on their choices and the results that are going to happen after that. They generally have a very positive or upbeat outlook. You know, they have a sense of place in the world where they feel like they're part of the world, they're in the world, and they gen- generally have gratitude. They're looking for pet projects where they really want to get involved. Um, They also tend to have more empathy and kindness and recognition of struggle in others, especially their peers. You will hear them talking about, well, my friend had this problem and I talked to her, or, you know, my friend didn't know how to do this or how it was affecting her and I talked to him. And then they tend to be very um, strong in taking risk. Now, I want to say calculated risk here because of age, but they they are more willing 
to step outside of their, you know, their normal life to try something new. And so these are the, you know, these are the main things that you should look for, for a child that has a very stable, high self-confidence, self-esteem, self-worth. Okay. And then the opposite of that, what are we looking for as far as danger signs? I know you said something about um, a child being depressed, but what else are we looking for to be concerned if they're feeling unworthy or if they have a low self-esteem? Um, well, first we're going to, to see them withdrawn. It's like they're not going to want to talk. They're not inviting friends over. They're not in contact with their friends. Um, they also tend to have a very negative outlook on how things are going to happen for them in the future. They um, tend to want to give up. It's like there's no purpose to go on in life. Um, they also tend to be very cutting with their remarks. In other words, they're very um, much aggressive in, you know, taking somebody down a peg or saying something smart or snide about um, something that's happening around them. And also they, they are, they are tending to drop off on their um, personal grooming habits. This is one of the things that I tell people. If you see a child grooming habits go off a ledge and start falling down, I would be concerned about what's going on with them because they are almost like a turtle pulling into their shell and they're trying to block out the world around them. Wow. And so I know you are targeting kids that are a little bit younger, but what I want to know is some of the behaviors that you just described are characteristic of a preteen or a teenager too. So how do you know the difference between a child that's really suffering from a sense of um, low identity or just normal, typical teenage kind of stuff? Well, you don't. And that's, that's the thing is these are only signs for you to recognize that there is a problem. And then the next step would be that you need to talk to them. And if you can't talk to them, then find somebody they can talk to, even if that ends up being professional help. Because, you know, you can check into things, you can run around behind the background and say, well, I think it's this and I think this, until you actually sit down with that child and have a conversation with them, you're not going to know because what you're worried about oftentimes isn't what they're concerned about. I see. And by the way, I, I don't know if you can hear my dogs barking in the background. <laughs> there's somebody at my door and they, and yeah, it's usually there's somebody home when I'm recording. So I'm sorry about that. Um, okay. So as parents, I know you said we can get them, you know, we can look for the signs and we can talk to them and we can get them help if they need, but what else can we do at home on a regular basis as parents to help our kids make sure that they have a good self-esteem and a high identity? What can we do at home? Well, you know, I'm going to say that, you know, do some building blocks, you know, give them increasing responsibilities with reasonable rewards and consequences consequences are one of the things that sort of gets left out of the equation. If there is no consequence for bad behavior, then, or for lack of behavior, then it becomes something that, that nobody wants to deal with. 
you know, ask for their opinions, discuss ideas with them, include them in the conversation, you know, also try to be a good listener and encourage open discussion about fears, about feelings, about things that are going on in their life or things that they feel are not going well in their life, especially that, you know, set a good example, you know, be somebody that's open and honest with them about how you feel about your social media, about, you know, things that people post. I mean, you don't have to share everything, but I think any given day you can find something there that you can share or use as an example of how you want to teach your children to go forward. You know, provide them with, you know, those boundaries and guidelines for acceptable behavior, what it is that you expect. Now, they may not always live up to that, but at least it's a guidepost for them going forward. And then, you know, you know, be useful with your criticism, you know, offer some guidance, you know, allow them to make mistakes. And I'm going to say, stay away from the blame game. You know, if, if you're blaming your children for doing this or not doing that, then they're not listening. So try to stay away from that. And then, you know, give them some, some diversity, you know, show them some examples of gratitude and tolerance. And of course, always just be patient. They're learning. Well, that is some really, really wonderful advice. Thank you so much. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to ask you real quick, when it comes to, and I don't know if what you think about this, but when it comes to boys and girls, male and female, do you find that they struggle with different things or do you find that it's just kind of the same all across the board? Well, I, I see that it pretty much is a level playing field until they hit about seven or eight years old. And then they start diverting into boy problems and girl problems. And, you know, girls are more internalizing things. It's like they do take things very much to heart, you know, small slights, small injuries, they, they become very dramatic. Um, where boys tend to kind of slough that off is just, you know, we're just the guys. But they also have a deeper sense of failure when they don't succeed um, that I don't see as much in the girls. Now, that's not to say that these don't cross over both um, sexes, but they, you know, they are more prevalent for boys than it is for the girls that they are, you know, they're more worried about failure than they are about how they do something where girls tend to be more focused on, you know, the approach and how it's done rather than the result. Which is also so interesting because if you look at children who are just little adults um, and they, they, you don't get these problems taken care of when they're young, they grow up and to be adults that have the same issues. And what I find really the most interesting is, you know, if I, if I think of all my listeners out there, I have the most emails and pain points coming from women, mostly stepmoms. And a lot of them, it really does boil down to this is, am I enough? Am I worthy? And so it's like, if, if we don't deal with this when they're kids, 
They're just going to grow up to be adults that are still dealing with it. And, and like you said, men, how many dads, I feel like a failure. I'm not good enough for my kids. And so it's really interesting what you just said. It's like the same problems, just older people. So what I want to know is if you have a child that's suffering from this and they have a low identity, can it be reversed and how? What I mean, is it is it therapy? Like, what can we do to really shift it if it's already not in a good place? Well, absolutely, it can change. And, you know, I've seen it change in myself, you know. And I'm going to give you the one thing that helped me. Stop waiting for other people to give you permission. You know, go out and be you. Because there's never going to be another person like you. And you need to recognize that you are that puzzle piece missing in the world map and that you need to celebrate that. And I think the more we look at and give each other permission to be our individual selves and less of conforming and fitting in and being like everybody else, we tend to build that self-confidence where they can have these random thoughts. Well, you know, I would like to do this, but nobody likes that sort of thing. Or I think this, but nobody agrees with me. It's, it, these are the self-defeating things. They are small cuts. These, you know, it's almost like a death by a thousand blades because you don't have a big thing happening to bring somebody's self-worth down or self-esteem down or their confidence down. It is all, all these small little nicks along the way where somebody has said something that, you know, they didn't agree with what their opinion was or they didn't like what they wore or they made fun of their hairstyle or their shoes or on and on and on. And, you know, it just carries over into infinity on social media, because instead of one person standing in front of you, you have thousands standing in front of you judging you. And so I think if we give our children a sense of identity and their place in the world, I think that is where they build that confidence. Such wisdom, Donna. I bet your grandkids love you. You are just the best grandma, I bet, because you just have wisdom. So it's just wonderful. Now, what's next for you? I know you have a second book coming soon, right? Yes. um, The the second book with the curiosity of a cat is coming out in November. Um, And I do have a little sneak peek for you. Um, The first book, in fact, is going on sale right now for $1.99 for the ebook copy. So um, if you want to go get with a courage of a mouse to get caught up before the second book comes out, then go check your, your um, local ebook retailer. They all have it. So um, I wanted to share with you a little peek from the book. It's um, it is Cat the Cat and Simon Cheddar back for their second class at superhero school. And um, they are sent on a mission for class to learn how to fly like superheroes. And so they go skydiving. And as would happen, they have a mishap. And Simon and Kat end up in the jungle away from all the other students. And they are trying to figure out how to get back home. And um, they are traveling through the jungle and they come across these 
animals that are trapped in cages in the middle of the jungle, and they're not sure what's going on. So this is the point where we're going to pick up the story. Cat swallowed her fear. She was safe on this side of the bars. Whatever was behind them was afraid and needed her help. With sure steps, she twisted through the tangled branches and peered into the dark cage. Oh, please, the timid voice pleaded. Can you help me? I really want to go home. When Cat's eyes adjusted to the shadows, she saw a small panther cub huddled in the corner of the box, its lower lip quivering. The cage wasn't that big, but the poor baby looked so small inside it. A large growl echoed from another cage, making Cat jump back as Simon pressed against her, expecting danger to overtake them at any moment. The small panther mewed and burrowed deeper into her tattered blanket on the floor. Simon jumped back and Cat looked up and down the scattered rows. What was this place, she wondered, in the middle of a jungle? Don't leave me here, the cub cried. I'm so scared. Simon shook his head and pointed to the building at the end of the row. Hidden in the trees, Cat hadn't noticed the, the building before the door flew open and an odd silence washed over the valley. The birds ceased their incessant chatter. Even the wind seemed to hold its breath. Cat took a step towards the building, but Simon pushed her into a small gap between the two boxes. He squeezed past her deeper into the darkness. The space was tight, and Cat followed as best she could, dragging her pack on the ground when it would otherwise not fit. Simon touched a finger to his lips. They hugged the metal walls, edging away from the crying cub. A loud thud caused Cat to freeze. The noise came again. The baby panther was crying. Cat heard a large screeching laughter in a foreign language that punctuated by oohs and ahs. She looked at Simon, he mouthed, monkeys. I, I can't wait to get my hands on both of those. When is the second book coming out? Um, November 12th. November 12th. Okay. So how can people find you, Donna, to connect with you? And where can they buy? The, I know you said any, I guess, Amazon or any ebook retailer. Um, how do people find you and connect with you, though? Right. Well, actually, both books are, well, the first book is available at all retailers, either in print or ebook. Um, also, they can reach me, get up to date um, on any of my um, events and on any of the upcoming books and some sneak peeks um, at book two at my website, DonnaSegerCowan.com. Um, it also connect them to all my social media. I do school visits and author visits for groups. So if they would like to have me come to them either via um, the uh, internet or in person, they can contact me through my website as well. That is wonderful. And for the listeners, of course, I always add all of those uh, links into the show notes for you. So it's nice and easy. Donna, if you had to give my listeners one last piece of advice to my parents out there listening that have children and they really want to make sure that their kids are set forth on the best possible path, what would your advice be today? Listen to them. You know, give them a platform where they feel comfortable to tell you, or they have a platform of someone that they're comfortable talking to. Because oftentimes what we think their problems are in life have nothing to do with what's really going on in their heads. And we're never going to know that until we ask that question or we give them that opportunity 
where they feel comfortable in sharing and not being judged and not being ridiculed or not being yelled at, that they can express what is going on with them. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard as a parent to listen to your child suffering, but it also is what makes them grow so much stronger. Wow. Well, that is wonderful advice. And it seems so simple, doesn't it? Just listen to your kids. But so many of us are running around in a chaotic blended family and we really aren't truly listening. I'm guilty of it myself. I mean, I've got my cell phone in the one hand, my laptop. I'm always running around trying to do so many things. And my kids have caught me several times saying like, mom, did you hear what I just said? You know, because (laughs) we're so, we're living in a world where we're so distracted. So just that one little thing, simple. Just listen Mm -hmm. to them. Listen. And so, Donna, I want to thank you so much for the work that you do. And I want to thank you for coming on the show to share your mission. And I'm so excited about the Superhero Series books. I hope that everybody goes out and grabs a copy and reads them to the kids because it's a beautiful thing. And I hope you come back on the show because I'm sure you're going to have more than just book two, aren't you? Oh, yes. It's going on through, uh, at this point, we have through book eight planned. So it'll be on for a while. That's wonderful. So how about we have you back on next year and we'll just talk about the more more of the books in the superhero series, okay? That would be great. Thank you so much. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.